Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and I've got something special for you this week. I first wanted to check in and see how is this working for everyone. This is our midweek release, so we've started splitting our two-hour shows into two one-hour shows, or close to that. And this has given us some opportunities to release some other interviews we've done, um, and also just to give our guests, you know, an opportunity to have a whole segment to themselves, but also just to make it easier listening for everyone. I hope it's working out. Please send us some feedback. I'd love to hear what you think about it. So earlier this year, Emma and I went down to LA and we visited some pretty amazing places. We already released the interview we did at the Honda Museum But we discovered another place called Iconic Motorbikes. And it's kind of like a museum, but it's a private collection and it's all for sale. So we stopped in, we're amazed at what we saw, and we met the owner, Danny, and interviewed him and went through and talked about all the amazing bikes he has. So take a listen and enjoy. So we finished up with Honda early. We had a little extra time and thought, Right at Honda. I mean, who knew that that facility was so big? Amazing. But but there was another little another little gem that one of our listeners had emailed us in to let us know about, and I I kept that in my file. And I thought, Emma, I've heard of this place called Iconic Motorbikes. Have you heard of it? I never had. Uh, You showed me the 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 letter that we got from our listener, and I thought this is worth checking out. Very very interesting place. And we struck gold. Well, and it looks like that not only do they have a lot of really cool sport bikes and new classics, but also a collection of parts, and that really intrigued me. So we came on down here, came in, knocked on the door, and we met Danny, the owner, who's uh, here with us now. You want to say hi? We are in the vault. Hello. How are you? We're doing great, Danny. Um, first things first, how do I pronounce your last name correctly? Pestangi. Pestangi. Yeah, just like the insect, the pest, on the letter G. <laughs> That's how I introduce myself. Okay. Danny Pestangi. I am one of the founding partners. My other partner is Adam Trump and also Patrick Morin. So Adam's on the East Coast right now buying more bikes. Okay. So we get in a, uh, I don't know, probably a bike a day now. So the background of Iconic, we started a year ago. Okay. So it was a dream of mine and Adam because we came from the toy industry doing kids' toys. But we always rode to work. Uh-huh. We're gonna do, no, just hang on. We're going to back <laughs> up there a little bit. Not adult toys, kids' toys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kids toys now, were you talking vintage kids toys no. or you're talking the modern, modern toy modern. industry? So anything from Cabbage Patch to the Star Wars uh, big figures to WWE, whose company right. was called Jack Specific. Yeah. Adam was the uh, EVP of operations, I was VP of design. But a long story short, we always rode to work. Okay, so you've got this yeah. passion, passion for motorcycles. motorcycles. Adam has been riding forever. 
And uh, I've been riding for over 25 years. I want to ride, you know, since I was in high school, but my mother's always saying, no, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> this is a fairly common story. Correct. So I'm going to get down and dirty straight away, Danny, uh -huh. and I think this is going to explain a lot of your madam's collection. How old are you, my friend? I'm 48. Boom! God, that uh, explains yeah. the collection straight right. yeah. He's also 48. <laughs> when we collect bikes, we get very nostalgic about bikes with a hot ticket item when we were a certain age. That's why you're into Wizards. That's right. No, no, that's why I'm into Stone Age motorcycles. The current joke is I'm older than everybody at Misfits, and that's largely true. But I'm 10 years older than you, which is why my gravitation goes to the 70s. Correct. And, mm -hmm. But Ours you... is the 90s. Right, and 80s. this is what I find exactly. so interesting. So we're here in the vault. Every single bike in here, we have some quite humble bikes, we have some very, very high-end bikes. I'm going to deal with the classic, classic, classic bikes first. At the very end, we have an early production, a really early production, CB750. KO. KO, it's got a doctor. It is a sandcast. It is a sandcast. Very valuable bike. You remember two weeks ago I did the story of the CB750, right. so we know all about that. Right next to it is Manx Norton. I'm guessing about a 54? Yes, there. we're unsure of the year. It could be a 52 or 54. It was right. a race bike. So. And again, a very collectible bike. One of my personal favorites. Everybody knows I adore water buffaloes. Gen 1, water buffalo. Twin-sided, tw quad-leading shoe front brake. The only thing that could make that bike better if it was in the magenta. Yeah. But my God, that teal's handsome as well. And these are very collectible you, bikes. You know what's funny? You're talking about those bikes, but to your left, yes. you're missing one bike. You know whose bike that is? The Harshkavana? I do. You do? Yes. I do. And we're going to come to that. <laughs> because now it's we're 1972. talking... We're talking about a bike. So we're going to describe this bike. I don't want you to say who it belongs I'm to. I'm not going to say... I want you to tell me exactly what we're looking at, Danny. You're looking at a Harskavana Champion Spark Plug 250 Motocross. So it's a 250 Husqvarna, it's a dirt bike only, but like most Husqvarnas, it's beautifully finished. Mm. If you've never seen one of these vintage Huskies, the gas tank, the finish on the gas tank is just superb. It's got chrome knee grips, it's got chrome molly frame enamel silver it's a marvelous looking yes. work it's a work of art yeah the only thing that's been changed from that i know of are the tires the hand grips are original as you can see it's kind of torn up mm -hmm. by one famous rider who never wore gloves or a shirt half helmet pants and boots i'm gonna guess is it harvey mushman <laughs> No, keep on going. Elton John. <laughs> Elton. Very good. Elton, Elton John. Rocket Man. Do you no, know who not. Harvey Mushman is? No, I don't. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, now you've learned something. It happens to be a name that said person used to enter races, so the movie studios didn't know he was racing on the weekends. And that would be? Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Harvey Mushman. That was his real name? That was the name he raced under. Oh, that would, okay, that's why. But what yes. we're looking at right now, which I find very interesting with this bike, so this is Steve McQueen's bike, and behind us, there's a cover, Sports Illustrated, there's Steve McQueen, classic Steve McQueen expression. He's kind of biting his bottom lip. He's got the look of concentration, and he's on this bike. 
That's the wildest thing. Yes, yeah, so the replica. I mean, the original bike was on any given Sunday. Yes. From what I was told, that one sold at Meekin for two hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars. He liked that bike so much. The very next year, he bought this one, and we have it on processions up for sale. So if anybody ever wants a uh, Steve McQueen bike, we have it in our procession. Nice. And um, has this been restored, or is this original? It's original, but I think uh, I have to follow up on it. Uh, there's been some modification mm -hmm. uh, with the prior owner, but I have to verify that. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, Danny, you are a collector, and you've clearly got a great deal of passion but pretty much everything we're looking for is for sale first and foremost not, you are a motorcycle not, dealer not everything you so show me i want you to show me something you would not sell to me at any price well there's one bike downstairs that belongs to nikki hayden right so that one you know, somebody asked me danny you guys you and adam have so much uh motorcycles in 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 your showroom if you were to save one, which bike would it be? Without a doubt, it would be Nicky Hayden's bike. And that's because of the history. The history you know, of Nicky, and that's one of his, you know, very first bikes, um, AMA. Right. And he wrote that one, you know, and he was one of our American legends. Oh, in absolutely. My eyes too, you know, aside and from all the the other legends like Kenny Roberts and everything. Right. But, Funnily enough. We, we asked a similar question at Colin, uh, at Honda, when we were with Colin, who's the PR guy. We said, of all the bikes in here, which are the most valuable? And he said, the ones with the racing history. It's always, and it's, it, it almost transcends the value of the bike. You can take a valuable bike, but once it's got a racing history behind it, exactly. then the value just Correct. becomes. And you can take a bike that in itself like a slabby that's not necessarily valuable but you put an iconic rider on it and give it a racing history now it starts becoming exactly, exactly. so uh, let, can we go down the line yeah we can go down the line like this one is a mondial mondial piaga this is a very it's a 2002 a lot it's carbon fiber has a honda rc51 engine yeah. okay yeah. a lot of people is like oh is this real carbon fiber if you can hear it I'm tapping the um, swing arm. Yeah. Wow. So it's also uh, carbon fiber. So 30 grand's gonna buy you this bike. It's obviously, it's, you can tell by looking at it, it's an exotic machine. Um, moving right along. Lucky uh, Strike, we got this one imported from the Netherlands. Uh, Lucky Strike bike, one of the uh, actual painted, uh, factory custom painted bikes. Lucky Strike all over You can notice the headlights. It's offset headlights and also you look at the blue anodized forks. Oh, right. Very so unique. Moving down, we have uh, the first limited dry clutch Jixer. One is red, white, and blue. The other one is a Japanese import, which is the red and what do you call it? Uh, charcoal. Charcoal. charcoal like grayish. Grayish color. Very, yeah. both very, very handsome schemes. Um, first year edition Jixer. And you know, it. these bikes, when we talk about the Jixxers and the early ones, which I call the slabbies, which the, the slab-sided tail fairing, for a long, long time, these bikes had very little value. Didn't diminish them as fine motorcycles, and their place in history was assured the moment they rolled off the production line. Um, 
But now people are really getting into the well, value of these bikes. The, the value of these bikes, and it's because how we got into this generation right. was because one, it was missing in the market. Two, when we first open up, we're trying to figure out what are we, who are we? And when the our clients saw the bikes, they're like, you guys are the dream shop. Right. This is the bike I dreamt of when I was young and I couldn't afford. And so now, now they can, and they're coming back to us finding the dream bikes. And that's what we deal with. We deal with low mile bikes. If it's high miles, it has to be extremely clean or well taken care of. Otherwise, we don't take it in. So that's yeah. our bike side of the Well, and here's what I love. Yes, you have bikes that were expensive to start with, Correct. you know, like the Bimotas and Ducatis. But when you see bikes like a Ninja, yeah, the you Ninja know, the Ninja 750 or the Gixxer 750 that are just iconic bikes. Iconic and harder mm -hmm. to find because you either crash, right. exactly. uh, destroy, missing, or just... And, and these are the kind of bikes we want to turn our listeners on to. Like, start paying attention. It's no longer just the clapped out old, you know, sport bike. If you find a clean one, these are now going up. Going up in price. So we have ours at twenty-five thousand right now, or twenty-four nine. This is the, nin zero. the Ninja Seven Hundred and Fifty. It only has one thousand two hundred and fifteen miles on it for nineteen ninety-six. So pretty much, it's brand new. Right, and that—that's the way to buy them. But you know, it's interesting you bring up the fact that so many of these were crashed. A lot of people don't know that the Street Fighter, the whole Street Fighter movement, was born out of the Midlands, my neck of the woods, in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. And what was happening, um, the young people were buying Jixxers and very early Ninjas. The insurance companies got wise to these bikes very, very quickly. And if you were under 21, there's no way they were going to insure right. you comp and collision. Correct. So you'd wreck it, fairings would smash, the very, very easiest way to get your bike back on the road, you throw away all the fairings, and then you put a straight handlebar with clamps on the top yoke, with a couple of bug-eye headlights, you're down the road for minimum outlay, and now you're riding a street fighter. And so it was actually born out of necessity. And most of the early ones were really early ninjas and jixxers. And jixxers. Not long. So now we're going to a couple of race bikes. Looks like we've got a Graves R1. Correct. That belongs to yeah, 2003 Dingman Buckmaster's motorcycle. Right next to it is the iconic Cycle World motorcycle who uh, the riders were uh, Don Cadet and Tolan. Uh, Doug Tolan. There you go. So they, they actually wrote this one together and uh, that's one of the unique bikes. If you look at the technology today, you guys can come look at this. It's so simple and plain. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's definitely, people were making big power and going very, very fast with simple right. motorbikes. If you look at Tony Elita's bikes that we have done with all the new technologies right. and everything in it, like, wow, you know, I, you wonder if, how would Kenny Roberts do back in the days if he had all the technology? Oh, we know. Right? We know yeah. how to do it. Yes. But both of these bikes, the Graves and this one, they've both got a winning history. So but hence this. The I'm curious about this. Ah, the R7. What? Well, this is, what? I know what this An is. An R7? I mean, everybody pees the bed over the OW01, which is the right. big brother. This is, right. this is the OW02. This is like the baby. No less capable a bike. 
but it's the smaller version of the OWO1. So where did this bike come from? This one came from the UK. There was only 500 that were ever made. Right. This one has some mileage on it, but it was raced in the British Grand Prix. Um, the owner of this bike raced it against Haga, and that was one of his bucket lists. He did it, and uh, after that, he put the back back to stock, and now we own it. Nice. Now, a lot of people says, do you want to sell it? Do you want to sell it? If you could look at our sign uh, in front, not for sale. Yeah, I see a so lot of not for sale. A few bikes that we don't want to sell because one, R7 is hard to find. You can get them. I've seen one or two my whole lifetime in the streets of Los Angeles, but other than that, I haven't seen one. So right next to it is yeah. the W01. Which is, there you go. And that, that's what we were talking about. Um, it's, so for those that don't know, this is the, the iconic five-valve Yamaha engine, 1000 cc, but it's the R version. So it's got all the bells and whistles. It's basically a production racer for the street. Mm -hmm. um, we have two. If you notice the headlights, one is flush to the yes. fairing and one is sunken in. Ah, but it's so on this one. They're just the there's just glass though. That the, the headlight is still further back. Correct. It's just a glass coming up. Very cool. Oh, yeah, interesting. Moving down. Oh my God. Five <laughs> hundred. That one's not for sale. Right. Even though we have two. Nah. One downstairs and one here. We have a lot of younger listeners. Um, you know, I mean, younger to me is anybody under 45. Um, but they've never experienced riding a stroker on the street or understanding what riding a high-performance two-stroke on the street is like. It's an amazing experience. Um, good, solid 100 horsepower. Um, power band just like a razor blade. Kind of wobbly handling. It's handling of the day. Correct. Um, it's a big brother of the RZ350. It is a big brother of the RZ350. Yeah. A very good looking bike. I'm, it breaks my heart to say it. I think the RG500 was a little more handsome, but this was a better bike. And it all depends on who's, you know, because we had the Walter Wolf in here, yes. and the RG500. I rode both, you know, they're great bikes. They're both you know, great, they both great bikes. smell great when you start them up. I think <laughs> this being a V4 has a slightly more distinctive exhaust note than, than the uh, twin crank four, but fantastic and very much of the period. I mean, this was the dream bike for so many people. For, and it still is, actually. In the mid-80s, yeah. Wait, you know, how many miles are on this? This one... I'm not seeing anything. I don't know if this one's been modified. Ah, okay. So, um, I can't get, uh, answer that. We can't, we can't rely on So, here's the thing with the RZ350. Anytime I get in, it sells quickly. Because that's one of the side-out bikes, especially the Kenny Roberts, yeah. yellow right. and black. Well, exactly. They're, you know, they're lightweight. I can't keep them in. They make good power, and they're remarkably reliable. Oh, correct. Um, Ducati 750SS, Desmo. 1975. Uh, yeah. Beautiful-looking machine. It really Very is. beautiful. Um, worth a lot of money these days, I see. It would be worth a lot more if it had the round casing. This one has a square casing. If it had the molar parts, just right. added. <laughs> It'll be in the six uh, digits range. You know, they had the green frame, which would, of course, be but, at the top of the knob. But the it's 750 a 750 is a beautiful bike. It is a great looking bike. I mean, this is Italian styling really at its best. 
I'm deliberately not. We're, we're down to the oh. water buffalo now. I'd like to point something out on the water buffalo. Go on, do it. Uh, I'd like to point out the nice uh, little S on the rear the, mirror. On the rear view mirror so that yours when? doesn't have. Why is that, Emma? Because I couldn't source any mirrors <laughs> at the time. So when Liza first met me, I was curator of a museum in Pacific Grove, and I had just restored a water buffalo, which is really uh. the bike that put me on the map. And I could not source any 8mm thread mirrors with S on the back before I put it on the floor. That bike now has them, but when Liza came and visited it, she said, this bike looks absolutely perfect. Um, and I said, well, it's not, I'm afraid, because it hasn't, got, it hasn't <laughs> yeah. got little S's on the mirror. That's why you were pointing that. But, yeah. you know, I'm not going to talk about that. One day I'm going to do an entire special on water buffaloes. We just did a special on the 750. There's nothing more that you could say about that bike. It's a wonderful example. Um, I'm really just going to touch on the Manx Norton. Truthfully, in this company right now, it feels like a little bit out of place. It's a little yes. bit out of time. It's a little bit out of place. It's a little bit older than anything else. You know, but my partner, Adam, always liked this bike, and he was the one that got it in. You know, so it, we just wanted a Norton in here. And you know, I should point out that this bike is absolutely everything that we as Brits knew about racing motorcycles right. in the 50s. And it's actually quite a lot. There's a lot of very, very interesting technology in that bike and very lot of, a lot of very exotic aluminium alloys that um, make up the crankcase, that make up the head. It's a very it, light bike too. For exactly. The, the it's time and its age. So, you know, I had a lot of Brits coming in and they were saying, oh, Norton Manx, and other people would call it Manx Norton. So what is it? It's Morton, Norton Manx or Manx Norton? Well, if you want to, it's a Norton, first and foremost. It's a Norton. It's a Norton. And they just keep on switching the name around. And they like, can switch the name around. It's almost like the fact that it is a Manx, its primary purpose was to win the Isle of Man TT, which is, of course, is known as the Manx because it's on the Isle of Man so on and so forth. It's almost like the model has become so iconic, it's overtaken the name. I would refer to that as a Manx Norton. Manx Norton, see? And that's, that's Which a, is like, fine. kind yeah, of I like did. a colloquialism. Yeah. But remember, first and foremost... It's still a Norton. It's a Norton. It's a product of the Norton Bracebridge factory. It's a, it's a great British machine. Yeah. You, you, s- you know, it's... it's I've kind of I've kind of tried to explain this to people in the past. I love Japanese bikes. I ride an Italian bike. My heart's always with English with bikes. English and bike. it always will be. There's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for British bikes. Fortunately, even though the last one I really rode in anger tried to kill me. <laughs> but, <laughs> never you know, it's funny because uh, all my motorcycles are either Japanese or Italian, but my cars are all British. I have uh, Jag, Lotus. Yeah. yeah. There's always... And of course, you know that Lotus stands for lots of trouble, usually serious. <laughs> I don't to, disagree with you on that. that. Yeah. So we're moving down. I love this. Bike. You know, Lavada had something of a resurgence in the late '90s. Um, really handsome bikes. Tell me about this Lavada. Well, this one's not an actual formula. The owner had it before. Right. Loved the formula, and he couldn't find one, so he had it painted up to uh, be the, uh, the formula, formula spec. spec. 
and uh, we can't confirm the miles. It's 500 miles on it. He thinks it's a little bit more, but it's one of the key pieces that we love. One is a unique bike. You know, everybody's always saying, oh, that's a nice tank. I'm like, it's not a tank. It's an airbox. The actual gas tank is actually in the back. So you fill the gas up where the uh, seat is on the tail Which section. Classic Italian style. I have, a, I have a question for both of you, actually. So this is a bike. It's a 98. I know miles, but low, really clean, good-looking bike. Um, selling price on it is under eight grand. This is a bike that could possibly be a future collectible. Somebody who wants to get a future collectible bike that they could also ride. So let me ask you. I think it's collectible if, now. If you're getting a bike like this, it's affordable. Do you ride it? Or do you just put it away and, and store I mean, it? I get two types of clients. One will buy it to store. The other one will buy it to ride. Uh-huh. I had a zero-mile Repsol in here. I could have sold it four times. Somebody came in and says, what do you want to do with it? And I said, well, I don't ride it. He said, do yourself a favor. Go save some money and go buy a used one. He goes, oh, but I want this one. I said, this is 2005. Why do you want to take a zero-mile bike and devalue it? Right. You know, and that's an argument we always have. And I didn't sell it to him. And he got mad at me. And he's like, I never had a dealership tell me that before. I said, I'm not a dealership. We're not the kind of people. I'm not here to force a bike on you. You buy it, you buy it. You don't buy it. You don't buy it. I don't care. But if you want to take something that's zero miles and ride it, you know, I might have a problem with that. But right. I can't stop a person from doing that. Right. You know, it's, it's their... Um, Find ride. a low mileage ridden bike and then ride that. Yeah, I mean, like for the Benelli yeah. that we have in the far end, it's uh, 2005, I believe. I have to double check the year. Mm-hmm. It has 190 miles on it. That's it. Anybody can buy it, take it, and ride it. You know, but also what's a couple hundred more hundred hard <laughs> to find in that bike. Right. So clean, does it belong in the living room? I think yes. In the collector item, yes. Right next to the uh, Laverta is also a Ben Bostrom 155 bike, only 155 made that he signed all the bikes in the U.S., another 155 in Europe, and another 155 in Asia. But they're hard to find. Yes, you can ride this one, but will you ever get the original paint scheme if something ever happens to it? Right. You know, I, I respect the people who ride it, and I respect the people who collect it. But this is an interesting case, Danny, because what we've got here, a lot of the intrinsic value of this bike is the fact that it's got original signed paintwork. Correct. That might make it too valuable to ride, because if it's parked and somebody knocks it over and destroys the fuel tank, most of the value of your bike's gone because it's irreplaceable and the value is in the paint. So this might be a good candidate for living room work. Well, and this is something I find interesting about this collection. A lot of these are bikes I've seen over the years. I know people who currently own some, but the condition these are in and the people you're selling them to, these are now being elevated to art or trophies, not necessarily a vehicle. And it's to celebrate the style and design and the era and the engineering and to the time capsule, like to keep it pristine it's kind of it's a it's a new thing it's different right. from what we it, usually do it's, it's it's a hard thing you know and it, the riders will always say ride the bike that's what it's designed for the collector will always say oh, i want to buy it and put it in my living room or office and you know we and get you, both and, and i respect know, it, both it's it's the collectors who are driving the price up because they make it collectible 
but a lot of these bikes need preserving. They need preserving from people like me who will get on them and ride them hard and smash them up. So um, moving right along, we've got a 999. Feeler um, edition. Feeler edition, very nice factory paint. Um, I don't know whether you knew this, Liza. Here is a Bomota. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know how you know what engine is in a Bomota without even looking at the engine? Uh, no, I do not. So you look at the designation, SB8. That means it's a Suzuki based. Ah. So if it was a Kawasaki, it'd be a KB. Okay. So this is a Suzuki based Bimota and it's the eighth version of it. The SB1 had a GS750 engine, SB2 had a GS1000 and so on and so forth. I'm guessing this has got a TL1000 engine. Yep, TL. TL1000R. So this is probably a rapid little bike. 160 odd horsepower with a razor edge power band and it probably weighs nothing. It weighs and, nothing. And my, it's carbon fiber. My history with uh, Bomotas is actually when I was a kid, I, I still, like I remember going into a motorcycle shop just because I wanted to look, you know, and I'm just walking around looking and then somebody yells, I, I saw this Bomota, I've never seen one, and somebody yells, hey kid, get away from that. And ever since then, I'm always like, <gasps> Get away. Yeah, it's a Pomoda. Like, you can touch this oh, oh, I'm touching it. Thank you. Um, beauty, you know, again, but a lot of people. Lot of clients coming in. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I was wanting a Pomoda. I said, take it. Yeah. However, you know, the parts, it, Suzuki parts are easy to get. The pet car, very difficult. Right. You know, it's like, wow, it's not all Suzuki parts. It's the pet car. I had one guy who bought. A bike from us, and we were trying. Yeah, he, was, the seller, was in Oxnard. We needed a pet cock. He called the place down in Georgia, Bomota uh, guy. Couldn't find it. Called Italy, and they said, "Oh, there, there's one place that sells the pet cock in Ventura." We went all the way around the world, and it was in the city next to him. And we're like, "Oh my oh, god!" Funny. Isn't that wild? It's wild. So, it's, it's, you know, it's, with Bomotas, they're great machines, but getting the parts is another factor. So, I have another question for you. Um, not to give away too many of your secrets, but I'm curious. You're not just finding these bikes on Craigslist, are you? Well, when we first started, I found one or two. Mm -hmm. And then Adam had some connections to where we were finding bikes. And when we first started, I think I said it, we started with 43 bikes. Now we are over 180, so I have some in the warehouse. But now collectors are coming out of the uh, woodwork, woodwork, and you're becoming the name to go. We to. are. Everybody says, "Go to Iconic, go to Iconic." Within a year, I've been turning down a lot of bikes. I can't one take them anymore. We don't have the space. We had to go get another warehouse so we can house them all. But where we're finding them, technically, they're finding us. Now, so but, I, nice. but I love that you said when you're starting out, Craigslist or the ads, right? Yeah. Maybe Cycle Trader, because that's where people can become new collectors. Right. Starting out cheap, just from what we're seeing here, under 10 it's grand. It's also knowing what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, you can find any bikes. If you, if you see all our bikes, I don't have any modern, modern bikes. If I do, I have the R1M because that's different. Right. right. You know, or the MV Augusta, but it's the high end. Right, uh, it's just, it's normal bikes, there's plenty of places where correct. you can buy a normal bike. I, I, if you're coming to that. iconic motorbikes, you're yeah. looking for something a little different. Correct, you know, and a year ago, Adam and I wanted an RC30 so bad. Right. You know, he bought one, and then now we have six, 
<laughs> Where else can you go for a clean RC30? This one is signed, signed by Freddie Spencer, which is kind of nice. But again, you know, owning six to sell and people are coming to us now. Hey, I'm looking for this bike. I'm looking for this bike. I, I need an RC45. I need an RC30. And now people are coming to us because we sold the NR750. We got another one. You saw the body work because we're um, doing service on it and we're getting another one in. Are you, are you interested in one more? Yes. Okay, I'll give you a call. I take care of the private collection of an extremely famous baseball player. Maybe the most famous I baseball player. I think he Probably yeah. not, because he won't liquidate without me. I don't, I don't want to say his name, but his team that he played for was on the East side, right? Yeah. The East Coast. East Coast. Well, yes. he, he's, but he made his Maybe name with Oakland. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but never, we'll talk when the recording's off, but he's liquidating his, um, and I think he's got an OWO one he wants to liquidate as well. I'll, we'll take those. Yeah. In, oh, of course, RB. yeah. In a heartbeat. So, well, okay. remember, this, that beautiful little CBR400RR that I brought down the other day. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you see the styling cues. So I want to know, what is your current holy grail bike you've never gotten your hands on? You said before you were wanting an RC30 right now. There you go. What is it? The Britain. Oh, the Britain. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's the Britain. That, that, because we that wanted the, holy the, R, the NR750 yeah. so bad. Yeah. And then we got our hands on three. I got a ticket on one. <laughs> the cop pulled me over. He's like, oh, man, this is a nice bike. This is a nice bike. Mm -hmm. I said, officer, oh, did you pull me over because you wanted to see the bike? He goes, no, I pulled you over because you were speeding. Right. <laughs> and then Adam and I were taking pictures of the cop giving me a ticket and we're smiling. It's like, how many people smile and laugh when we get a ticket? But, you know, you, how many people get a ticket on an NR750? Right. You know, what did you, you know, I, I've ridden a couple when they were new. And they're amazing bikes. They remind me very much of, they're not a powerhouse. No. But they're very smooth. They remind me a lot of later injected VFR 800s. They're They've smooth. got that kind of feel exactly. to them. Exactly. They sound like it too, in a way. You know, when yeah, I first started up, I thought it was going to be a, whoa, this is amazing. It's just no, like it's really not. soft and, ooh, you know. It's, it's, the exhaust note is actually a cross between a VFR 800 and a small block Chevy. It's like, if it's a growl from a cat, it's a growl from a slightly bigger cat. Mm -hmm. But every when the NR750 came out, I worked at a Honda dealership in quite an affluent suburb, and we, we actually sold a couple. And of course, they have to be test-ridden before they went out. And back then, I was riding, and I see you've got one downstairs, a um, CB1000, a big one. And the NR wasn't a great deal quicker than the big one. Yeah, to me, that was probably the but it was smoothest motorcycle I ever ridden. Yes. But then it was the scariest bike I ever ridden. <laughs> and the reason why was, oh my God, is that a pothole? Oh my God, is that going to be a rock chip? Oh my God. It's all hand-laid carbon fiber. Your mind is just wanting to ride, but then you're also worried about now, the, the pebbles on the ground. And four hours ago, I laid my hands on a zero mile one, all over it, <laughs> but it ain't for sale. So the Honda facility at Torrance in a plastic bag. We, oh, okay, yeah. They, we, we got into the vault. Yeah, they they got, let us into the vault. Were you meeting with um, John? Colin. Oh, Colin, okay. Yeah. yeah, we know Colin. Yeah. yeah. He's a good so, guy. Um, it's, uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. So, so and I have another question. Since, I mean, these are all sport bikes and they're all of a certain era, have you ever collected any Harleys? 
downstairs. We have a Harley downstairs because that went for auction and it came from across the street from a um, car club, okay. car sales. Because right. they've been trading their um, bikes in and they had five bikes and they're like, hey, can you just please help us sell it? Originally, we weren't going to touch any Harleys. We had an, uh, I had one Harley, which I said I wasn't going to bring in, but then it was such a different bike, which is a VR1000. So that's what I was getting at. That is my yeah, Holy Grail that's bike. Us. Yeah. But so you've had one of those? I had one of those. Did you ride it? Uh, no, it was zero miles. Oh. It was zero miles. So oh. we didn't even start it. You know, we sold it to a high end collector out in Chicago, and uh, he's happy with it. That's yeah. the bike I want to. I want to test ride. Yeah. yeah, Britain, I mean, Britain, yes, but the VR1000, I think, is going to scare me so much more than a Britain. Right. You know, it, it, it's funny, too. It's like, we first saw it, it's like, oh my God, it's a VR1000, it's yeah. a Harley, and I'm ready to push it up. And when I grabbed it, it felt so light. It was the lightest Harley I ever uh, And that, that is amazing, knowing Harley's yeah. the way we do. But let's, He was up here for a long time, too. Yeah. So. so let's move down the line. We talked about both the Ninjas. You've got a Mersey edition, which is also very nice. Mersey Raptor. Only yeah. seven of them were made. Um, MV Augusta F4. You know, love them or hate them, there's no middle ground with the F4s. It's, it's, I own an MV Augusta F4. And it beats me up every time. I think I can't ride it for more than three hours because, you know, you're in this fetal position, you're tucked right. away. But it's one, my feeling, it's one of the best handling bikes ever, and I love it. It's a it, very rewarding it, it, bike. It's, it's a ride rewarding, it. but it's also a tiring bike. Yeah. You know, yeah. will I ever do cross country in it or go up six <laughs> hours up the state? No. And I'm not an MV. I'd like to point out one of the weirdest bikes here that doesn't fit in in your collection at all. Yeah. But a bike that people are talking more about, you hear that, Phil, uh, that are becoming, I mean, they've always been collectible, but now they're becoming eclectic collectibles. Yeah. So you have a Moto Compo uh, asking price $7,500. Yeah, we just sold one actually on um, auction for about three and a half. Right. So the average yeah. price is about three and a half to seven, depending on the condition, yeah. the mileage, and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean they're called the trunk bike from the uh, early '80s. Right. Well, right about the time I was telling you, um, there was a promotion in England that if you bought an Acura, a big one, a legend, yeah, you got one of these in the trunk. Oh, <laughs> yeah. really? That was the promotion. It came with a motor compo in the trunk. Yeah. And a lot of the uh, the Honda dealers was well, I don't want this thing, you know, because in England, you know, the kind of people who'd buy legends in England, the kind of architects and those, <laughs> yeah. they don't want a frigging motor compo. So the dealership would just be giving them to us, take it away, get it off our hands. Yeah. Um, and there were quite a few of these around at the time, but once again, all gone now. I can't remember. The last time I laid my hands on a motor compo was probably 1990. Wow. You know, and I know they're around now, but I just have holding one right now in your hand. It yeah. takes me right back to when you I was know, a young mechanic. You know, Phil, Phil just bought one. I know Phil just vintage one. days. I you know, know, have you noticed how me and Phil have very similar taste yeah, in motorcycles? I know. You know, we, we are the, I think we're the two only members of the PC 800 fan club. <laughs> I know. Well, I wanted to thank you for your no, time you. showing us thank around, and, and um, let's give people a plug. Again, it's Iconic Motorbikes, yes, uh, IconicMotorbikes.com. IconicMotorbikes.com, here in Marina Del Rey, California. We are open Tuesdays to Saturday, mm -hmm. 
uh, Sunday. We used to open on Sundays, but we said, you know what, let's go ride. Yeah. Uh, Sunday's our riding day. We just love it. Right. What we'll do is we'll include a link to your shop on our, um, yeah. on our show, and so and make sure that people can get a hold of you. I mean, take a look at our bikes because these we, are very we high-end get bikes. bikes in on a daily basis. But not just the bikes, and something that you advertise on your site is you have parts. Not as much as we would like, you know, because but that's their something, parts are hard to get. You seem to recognize the value in the parts, and so that's something that you're looking for as well. Yeah. So if people have parts for some of these iconic motorcycles or are looking, they should call you. Call us if you need a part. We, if we can't find it, we'll find somebody or we'll know somebody who has it. So, right. so if you need a pet cock for a, Bomoda. for a Bomoda, call them. They'll just take it off the model here. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> If you want some, you know, OEM tires from 2001, I have some on, on the oh, bike, like zero miles. For people who like to live dangerous. Oh, cool. All right, um, so. Danny, what a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you thank so you very much. much. Yeah, thank you. Great for coming interview. In. It's yeah. And you're a true enthusiast. Thank you. Thank and we, you we like that, you know. Um, I think he's a misfit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> through and through. Through, exactly. Thanks so yeah, we'll uh, keep checking with you, but for anyone coming down to LA, it's a great place to stop. It is like a museum. We're five Everyone... minutes away from LAX, it's not that far. And we just found out you've got Harley Davidson yeah, next Barnes door. Mills right next door. And across the street, Honda. Honda Kawasaki. You know, if we go next door, we might be able to get some free hot dogs. I think let's do it, let's do yes. it. Awesome, well thank you very much. All right, thank all right. You. Have a good cool. Day. Yeah, that was a good interview, darling. Thank you, thank you.